We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 379, brought to you by CBS Sports HQ. All you got to do is download their app, and you can watch it anytime for free. So, Scott, I just got home from the game. Um, game three, going back home, Sevy versus Cole. We were pumped up for it. It's a good matchup on paper. We were ready to go for that one. Beautiful matchup on paper, and... 
I mean, there's a lot to talk about in this game, a lot to get annoyed about, but there are also just certain instances where you're facing a guy who's who's pitching better than most pitchers have ever pitched before. And like Cole's on an unbelievable run. Uh, if you were looking up his numbers before the start, you probably had the shakes just like I did because no matter what you look at, it's like an unbelievable number. 40% strikeout rate in his last 170 innings. It's like unfair. The guy's, the guy's been unbelievable. I think he has won his last 25 starts, if I heard correctly. It's something utterly ridiculous. It's like 140 days. Some some nut, some nutty number that, that he's put together, basically, that he's been just that good for... Um, for a long stretch of time, and yeah, when you're seeing that, like the uh, couple things come to mind. It's like you got to have a good strategy against this guy, whether it's whether it's the right strategy or not. You got to have some con- some conviction. We talked about that before the series started. You have to approach it a certain way, similar to what they did with Paxton, I think. Um, and Paxton fell right into their into their lap in uh, in game two. And uh, this particular case, the Yankees. The Yankees had their opportunities. They had, uh, they had, they had what they did. What they kind of needed to do as far as setting the table. Yeah, a lot of guys on base in the, especially in the first three innings, they had chances. All of those innings, uh, the first inning, they got the first two batters on with the the two singles. But then, unfortunately, a lot of the rallies came with two outs. They did. So, I mean, the first inning, that's a that's a big that's a big it's turning a missed point. Opportunity, huge missed opportunity. It's a big turning point, and it's a, a it's it's something that the Yankees haven't really done all year long. So, why are they going to change their philosophy now? But this is where this is where you um, this is where I like to put put the uh, the broad numbers aside and start looking at more focused opportunities and what you have against you in, at the, at that current moment. And in that current moment, you had a guy that was that's been. Unbelievable! Hasn't had that much pressure in Yankee Stadium. Two fir- first two runners on, and you have in your three spot. <laughs> going back to the ALDS lineup in the sense that you have Brett Gardner in the three spot, which yeah. doesn't make as much sense today because he's been struggling mightily. And it just, it, I feel like we got lucky before. Like let's just let's just keep that where it was and just like be cool with it. You're facing you're facing the Twins. You don't have to be perfect right. to beat the Twins. And you uh, have to be perfect to beat the. Astros. So you have a guy like Gardner up who's not a three hitter. Not a three hitter, very probably the probably the one guy on the team that could probably lay down one of the better bunts on the team, and you definitely decide not to do it, and you decide to swing, and you get two lazy fly balls, and then both guys are still standing there with two uh, with two outs. When you could have put pressure on Cole, I, I really disagreed with that with that time with that uh, with that decision at that point, and I know the philosophy has been exactly what they did today all year long. You're gonna let your guys hit. But you know what? In this particular situation, with Garrett Cole on the mound, when you kind of have him in a situation where he could be uncomfortable, and your number three hitter is not Giancarlo Stanton, it's not Gary Sanchez, it's not even Edwin Encarnacion, it's not even Glaber Torres, it's Brett Gardner. Freaking bunt. Lay down the goddamn bunt. Well, why do you think Brett Gardner is batting third? I heard Boone talking about it afterwards. They were staggering the lefties. Okay, exactly. So... Brett Gardner's not batting third because he is one of your best hitters. He's batting third because he's a left-handed hitter. So it shouldn't be a situation where they say, well, you'd never have your three-hole hitter. Bunt, that's asinine. This is not your typical three-hole hitter. That's what I just said. No, right. It's Gardner. So you can't think of it like, oh, our three-hitter is bunting. No, it's Brett Gardner bunting. Right. And I don't know know if there's a, a million other things. Like, Glaber walks on four pitches, and then Didi swings at the first pitch. When he there's bases loaded, two outs, and he just walked a guy. I know there's like 
they're balancing. Do we want to be aggressive? Do we want to be patient? I never like swinging at the first pitch after a guy has just walked the bases loaded. That might be your best pitch because when you're look when you're a batter coming up, and I know that Didi swung at a lot of first pitches. We Hicks swung at three first pitches. Uh, first pitch. Hicks at had the end a couple good at bats. He did, but yeah, but Hicks had two walks. There were so many early in the count swings at Garrett Cole and just lazy fly balls. I mean, yes, there were. You know, if you're looking, uh, let's talk about that particular scenario though. You have the bases loaded. Didi's up. Didi is a typically a, a good uh, a, a good hitter when the ball's in the strike zone. He's not a bad. He's not a good bad uh, bad pitch hitter, right? He's good in the zone. He's good when when the zone is small and he can control it. Like that's when Didi's on. We saw him uh, early in the year and then last year taking some more walks. That's when he's good. If Didi gets a pitch that he likes and he's and it's in a, a quadrant that he wants, he can put some good uh, contact on it. So what I think was there is just walk the guy. Probably not going to want to get behind on this one. This first pitch might be the best pitch I'm going to get. It may be a fastball in 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 the uh, uh, heart of the plate. Probably going to get a good swing, and I'm ready for it. So I actually don't mind that. I just think it was you know he didn't make good contact. He didn't. Whatever the pitch was, I don't remember exactly what the pitch was, but he didn't make good contact on it, and uh, and 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 it ended up burning him. So, um, but I don't hate the decision. As a team went over six with runners in scoring position, as a team left nine on base. It was funny in our section. We were just when it's such an intense game and such a close game, and you know you're facing one of the best pitchers in baseball. You're like strategizing the whole time. So we're just constantly looking at Cole's pitch count just to see like what the count is, to see when he might get out of the game. And at a certain point, they had a lot of base runners, so his pitch count was climbing. But he also looked his best in the sixth and seventh innings, I thought, where he got him one, two, three in those innings. And it hit me. It's like, shit, it doesn't matter if this guy's at pitch number 20 or pitch number 100. He's still throwing 98-mile-an-hour gas, and he's still hitting his spots. He's, he's a freak. So you got shut down by Cole – that is something you just have to swallow and say, tip your cap. But then you also have to say, 0 for, 0 for 6 with running scoring position, 9 runners on left base, missed opportunities when it was just a 2 nothing game. When it was a 2 nothing game, the crowd was loud. The, stand, the stadium was into it. Every time someone got up and on base, people were excited. But then it gets to be 4 nothing, and ye, the running's on the wall at that point. The running's on the wall. I mean, first of all, with Cole, like, the pitch count thing, you're looking at these guys, this is this is a known quantity though. We know that these guys get strong throughout the game. Like they're not guys that tire. They don't they don't tire. Verlander doesn't really tire. He can he can get, you know, I think we saw him gas within an inning, but again, like they've they've got these reboots that they could just come back out and, and just keep firing, and that's all it is. Yeah. And and uh when you look here, yeah, you're nodding your head, I know what you're about to say, you're talking about the umpire. It didn't, it didn't really affect him. I heard his interview after the game, too. Didn't affect him. He was talking about it. Didn't affect me. He was able to throw some pitches down in the, um, in the, uh, in the uh, you know, underneath for a little bit, and, and that was it. That's all he needed. But it, it didn't. Might have helped him. It, it, it did. Because these guys don't get, they don't get tired like that. Not, the, not, these, not these horse guys. They don't, they don't tire like that. Their arm doesn't fatigue. They have rubber arms. Their body might get tired. And again, like within an inning, I think that's when you can get them more tired and they start losing control. And that's when you can start, you can try to, um, to get on them. That's why I was talking about Verlander in game two. He was really on the ropes when, when he had a, a longer inning, when he was out there without the rest. Um, and then Cole, what do you have? Five walks? I think he had five walks total. 
Hold on, let me let me pull the number because I had it in front of me. Five walks. He walked five guys. Today was the first day he didn't strike out double digits in however long. So do you think when you look at what the you, we talk about missed opportunities with batters with runners on base, there were missed opportunities because Cole was not good today. Not not a good Cole. He was not. He was a very like C level B level of him of his own talent level. You know, he's that that's better than most people in the major leagues right now. But he was not at his best by any means, and they and they missed their opportunities. So does that worry you that we didn't even get Pete Cole and he still didn't give up any runs? No, because I think it's more on the I, – I don't know I don't know if it's um, – I think a different Yankees team that shows up on a given day would be would, would have handled that much differently. For whatever reason, they're just – Well, it's been a drought since that, since that judge home run. It's been a real offensive drought. Yeah. And I think that that played into a lot of it. I, I didn't see a lot of – I didn't see a lot of good swings. I didn't see a lot of um, – you know, great at bats. I think Hicks Hicks had a good at bat. Hicks had two good at bats. I thought Glaber had. Glaber's been at-bats. good this whole time. Lemayhu Lemayhu jumped on a couple pitches early with ground balls, basically carbon copies of ground balls right up the middle, yeah. right over second base twice. So, the deeper in the game, though, the the at bats got they got much worse. They got worse. They were. It seemed like they were pressing and trying to hit home runs. The one thing everyone thought was gone was Didi's ball to the wall in I was watching it on TV and I I I I I yelled I thought it was absolutely gone I I mean the ball was in the air for so long yeah. we were sitting in 205 so it was it just seemed like it was like coming at you, on its floating. way to us right it was floating and then it just died and I still thought there's a chance it leaves the park and then I saw the replay and the guy's be- was like one step in front of the wall. Reddick. Reddick was on the yeah. He was on the dirt, and then when so he, he caught it, he kind of leaned it. into the wall. He must have caught it off the end of the bat. And he he said no. He said he got the barrel. I saw this. He said he got the barrel, but it just didn't. He didn't get all of it. He, you know, he didn't get all of the ball. So I think yeah, he just and we're used to too much. We got used to. We got conditioned to all season that ball being seven rows deep. If that is a, a ninety-five degree day, a ninety-degree day, that ball is is in the stands. But then at the same time, Altuve took Severino deep in the first inning, and then Reddick. Reddick's home run was a friggin' mash job. Yeah, that thing went to row, I think fourteen, because it was just behind. Oh, that was the one that was hit at you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, row fourteen in the second deck. That's not a cheap shot. No, I didn't realize it went that far. That far up. I actually saw yeah. Colleen say something and went four rows behind us. I was like, I started doing yeah. math there. I was like, oh, that's that's pretty high up there. So thirteen, we were in row nine. Yeah. So that's um yeah no, I mean that's a that's a that's a missile that's gone in a lot of places. <laughs> the, Everywhere. The uh so I forget who was who was hitting, but it was right after the DD uh, home run that was not that was caught at the track. Well, Sanchez would be up next. No, no, I mean for the uh, the Astros, there was a ball uh, hit to left field. Yes, I thought, the catcher. I thought that. Oh, um, Maldonado. I thought Maldonado. I thought that was gone too. Off the we bat, all thought that off was the gone bat too. from watching it on television, definitely looked like it was gone. So those were two home runs that normally are home runs that were not. You could yep. hear the bat. You could see it. Just they both felt immediately like they were going to be gone. And yeah. you know, I know the weather's. What's the temperature? It was beautiful today. 60, 55, 50 degrees, 55 degrees. By the time those balls were hit, it was probably high 50. Okay, so you're not looking at like a major weather shift. Was the wind swirling? Nope. No, no wind. Per- pristine conditions. No wind, no cold temperatures, uh, and the balls didn't move at all. But those, those were home run balls. Yeah. They, they definitely felt like home run balls. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, the Didi at bat. Didi, I saw a quote on Twitter as I was coming home from the game. He said he feels like the game is mostly on him. Yeah, I saw that. He took a lot of ownership of it. He, he left the bases loaded in the first and then the, the two runners on right there. Yeah, and that's that's the key. I mean, today when you're looking at what happened and, and you see what we've been good at all year long, it's been hitting with runners in scoring position, especially with two outs. And we had those opportunities today, runners in scoring position with two outs and couldn't do a damn thing. And, um, you know, the Glaber home runs, the, uh, the only uh, really positive thing, obviously, because they finally scratched a run across and you felt like maybe, but Adovino, man. Adovino, or I should say yeah. Boone. I should say Boone Ad- because it's Adovino. It's not Adovino. I don't. I don't know even know why he's in the game. So think. So another thing I was talking about with everyone at the game, Canley comes in to face the bottom of the Houston order in the sixth inning, mm-hmm. and then you are lining up for a rematch. Springer George Springer. That's not Adovino. a rematch I want. No. They, so they clearly have numbers at their disposal that say. Adovino versus Springer is a good matchup, or else they wouldn't have gone to it for a second time in a row. The night before that, when they talked about the numbers, there were four at-bats and three strikeouts. So why are we making... If the, if those are the numbers that they're basing all of their their information on, four at-bats. No, no, no. It's not, it's not, it's not batter versus um, I know, but pitcher matchup. There's other things that they take into consideration on what is Springer's launch angle what is this like his statistics versus sliders because that's out of best pitch <laughs> bro but that's what they look at I, I, that's I, what I, they... and i and i hate every every so they like it. that matchup they like that matchup and he comes in and he walks him but but if if you're gonna go back to Adovino because they wanted to keep the game close and they were going through their bullpen green gets out of the fifth inning why not then go to Adovino for the bottom of the Houston order and let Canley, who's been good, go at the top of the order? I don't know what to tell you. Uh, because it's, they want to bring they want to bring Canley in for the lefties. They want to they want Canley to but, go against the 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 guys that are not right-handed batters that Adovino walks. I don't know. But it was it was it was bring a in Luis Sessa. I want Luis Sessa in over Adovino. Yes. I don't give Sessa a shit. Sessa looked good. Everybody look looks good compared to Adovino right now. He has done nothing in these playoffs. Nothing. And he still gets so, rolled out there in high leverage situations. And and then you knew as soon as that count got worked, I knew goddamn well he was walking him. I was like, there's no way and they he's could screwed. hit and run. Hit and run right after that, which is the beauty of Played being up to nothing. His ass so badly. Not only that, Adovino's not fast to the plate. The the base was stolen. The base was stolen. It wasn't even really like a uh, it had to be this great hit and run thing. The base was stolen. Glaber was practically on second base, uh, going to receive the ball. That was a stolen base, and then he just slapped it into the hole. I mean, like it, you couldn't have drawn it up more perfectly. Did he face two or three batters? I think he got pulled after that, didn't he? He got pulled. Okay, after so that. two batters, two batters, and they both reached. He came into the game allowing a 500 on base percentage to hitters he's faced in the postseason so far. Yeah. So that just went up. So probably close to 600 batters have a 600 on base percentage against. You can't use them anymore, as far as I'm concerned, in, in any sort of meaningful situation. You said high leverage. No, I'm saying he came in in a high leverage situation. On, on, I don't know how you could possibly fathom that guy coming back in in a high leverage situation. And high leverage is 2 nothing. I mean, you might as well be 5 nothing when you're going up against Cole. You need those those two runs. Are, it's imperative to keep the lead at that point. No, that... That was the game. Four nothing was the game. So when you're bringing 
a guy in to face the top of the lineup against another dude who has all the confidence in the world, literally just took him deep. And he walks him because that's the other thing that he's been doing in the playoffs. What are you what are you trying to do here? And then we and then he stays in the game uh for for one of the you know the best hitters in the league with Altuve who can handle the freaking bat probably be- as well as anybody, just trying to get a ball here or there. He can it's handle perfect. the bat with anybody. He could I mean if if I had if I had uh you know to make a bet where and play like Pepper with Altuve, I, I'd probably put him up against anybody in the league. He can no, put a ball was, where he wants to. It was executed to perfection. Yes, they played him. I said that on Twitter. They played him so beautifully because they also know that he's slow to the plate. You know you're going to get a big jump. You knew there was going to be a massive hole because it's a stolen base, so you got to cover the bag. It's not even a hit and run. He had the base. He had the base stolen. I know. Even if if he took the pitch. And that's the thing. That the thing is though, when you have a guy that could get that big of a jump, that second baseman's going to be off of the well out of position because he's going to be covering the bag. And they knew he had coverage. Yeah, and Britain kind of almost squeaked out of it. We're going to talk about the, the rest of that inning in a second. But first, I want to uh, tell you guys about CBS Sports HQ. Their coverage is always focused on the game. Tons of highlights, breaking news as it happens, fantasy advice, and something we care about deeply here. Gambling picks and analysis to get that extra edge. I know when I turn on CBS Sports HQ, I see the tips and trends that I want, that I need to win my bets. And don't forget, you can get access to all the great coverage completely free. I don't mean free for a week or a month or anything like that. You do not need a special cable package. It is totally, completely free for everybody. You don't even need to log in. You just need to download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Apple TV, Roku, Fire TV, or other connected devices at any time, and you can watch CBS Sports HQ. There are no fake debates, just sports for real sports fans at a great price of completely free. You don't even have to log in or sign up or anything. Download the CBS Sports app and watch CBS Sports HQ today. So Britain comes in and kind of almost wiggles out of it where he you could see a path where if he get the, if he got the double play ball they were looking for they wiggle out of it but then he bounces a 57 foot sinker. He ba- well yeah there were two so there were two pitches you probably couldn't see this but the pitch before that that was uh that was in the dirt was um Got past Sanchez, hit the umpire. Umpire, umpire squared it up beautifully, and the ball fell. And then so Gary's looking around like he has no it. idea where it was. I thought Gary blocked. Yep, it. It, no, the umpire blocked it. It went past. Okay. It definitely went past Gary. Went through Gary. Hit the umpire. Literally center chest. So he chest. threw. He threw two wild pitches. Then essentially, some people call them wild pitches. Some people they were wild pitches. There's no doubt about that. But they were still blockable. I'm not going to get on on his defense because that hasn't really been a storyline the entire time. So. Um, but his at bats are his at bats are horseshit. But this it was it wasn't. Uh, I mean, like his body wasn't sliding over. It is what it is. But uh, yeah, spike two balls. They were they were tough. Either way, they're going to be tough. Even if you square them up, it's probably not not easy to uh, you know make that ball deaden in front of you. But um, yeah, it was. Uh, and then and then when the the last one came, that was that was to the fence. And uh, then we're starting to do the merry go round at that point. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the game because Cole was looking strong. I was actually surprised they didn't send him out there for the eighth inning, but I guess they had confidence in in their bullpen to lock it down. And and the Yankees didn't really manage much of a comeback other than the the Glaber solo home run. Um, you have the Glaber you know, solo, I, home run, solo home run, and then you have the ninth inning with uh, Geo. 
with a Geo leads yeah, off. Yeah, Geo leads off. Uh, I'm thinking of the eighth inning. So the eighth inning was the Encarnacion dribbler that was the uh, the replay. Yes, that was right before the Glaber home run. And so was that is that the right call in your mind? Because it, it looked like he got him on the helmet. It was the right call. He got him on the helmet. Yeah, he did get him on the helmet. He, it's, yeah, people were throwing things on the field. Yeah. in protest. Well, I, when you when you look at the replay, like I I think, uh, assuming you guys saw the same, they showed it twice. Okay, it's kind of hard where the, he's wearing a black helmet and the glove comes down, and yeah. and it almost makes it look like the the helmet's invisible. So it's kind of hard to see unless you can unless you're looking at the glove turn. Uh, I could see how people think from a distance that it didn't look like it hit the helmet. I could I could see that. Uh, but it did hit the helmet, so yeah, uh, yeah, he was out, and then because um, that would have been a big swing right there. Could, that would have been a two-run homer, right? And yeah. uh, and then the then it's to- it's maybe different. And then Geo uh, just hits pretty much routine fly ball into uh, center ball uh, center field. Hicks jumps on the first pitch for some reason, um, even though we need base runners, and that would be the time to work the count for me. Um, he saw what he liked and tried to get on. But I don't know. The swings were interesting. They were, they were, uh, they were, they looked like they were trying to hit doubles in the gap or home runs, not, yeah. not trying to get on base. Hicks gets the start because Stanton's out for a second straight day. Yeah. Um, what are you doing, Stanton? Like, apparently, all like, these reports are tell- are saying that the player wants to play, and it's this is a management decision. So do then they not trust him to play at not a hundred quote hundred percent? Because it doesn't seem like they do. Uh, Stanton. Why are we? Also, why are we worried about? If Stan, why are we worried about him getting injured on his quad at this well, point? In the well, season? hold on. If Giancarlo Stanton, who makes thirty million dollars a year, and you traded for to be one of the centerpieces of your team, says, "I am good enough to play in today's game," and it's Game Three of the ALCS, you pencil his name in. Yeah. I mean, the other guy is the uh, the guy that hasn't played since you know early August. And um, it it doesn't matter. It's <laughs> it's just crazy. I I don't believe there's got to be something else going on here that they're keeping him out of the lineup. He says I can pinch hit. He says oh I could DH, but then they're not going to take Encarnacion out of the lineup. I don't think Someone they feel has- I don't think they feel comfortable with him in the field. I think that they think that he can probably hit, uh, but that's it. And and at that point, if you're doing that, then you have a halfway healthy guy who's DHing when you have a healthy guy who can DH. And you're gonna get, uh, or you get very suspect defense in left field. I think that I this think they're is, worried about the defense. This is not doing him favors with fans. This is this looks bad. I mean, I, I read a lot of reports saying that he wanted to play, and the other ones. It's not a good situation in the first place. For it's not good for anybody. It's not good for him because he's not playing, obviously. And if he thinks he's good enough to play, then he should play, and he should step up and freaking say that and just get through, gut through it. If that's actually the case. Uh, two, management looks stupid because they're not playing him, and now we're wasting a roster spot because now they have a hobble guy in left field, and we're forced to play with another guy. Uh, it's just making all of these other decisions for the, the not that there were like crazy decisions, but the fact that Hicks comes out of nowhere and and is now playing, it just it uh, it's all making it look very strange, honestly. Uh, the 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 roster makeup and like what's happening out there and why he's there because if he's this injured, you have to get to the World Series to be for him to not play in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so if you, if you take him out because he's injured and then he can't play in the world series because he's an injury and you can't play in the, in the, in the following series of the playoffs, it doesn't matter because you need that extra player, you know, like what, what are we, about, yeah. what are we waiting for? But that's the, that's the only reason he's still on the roster. Why else would he right. be on the roster? Right. If you he's hurt in this series first act, 
obviously, before you can worry about that. And I said coming into this game, my opinion was that if the Yankees won game three, that it meant that they would definitely win the series. Because if they upset Cole when he had been on such a run, and Houston's just going into every Verlander and Cole game saying, we're going to win these games, if you disrupt that, I think that would have been such a huge momentum swing in the Yankees' favor that that would have, in my mind, meant they were going to win the series. But just because the Astros won today, I don't think it means definitely they're going to win. Obviously, it's a momentum swing in their favor. Now they've at least guaranteed to go back to Houston. But if you're the Yankees, you have to nut up and win the next two days, next two games. You cannot go back to Houston trailing in the series and expect to win both of them on the road. Yeah, no, no, no. You got to win the you got to win the uh, the next game and then win the next game. <laughs> it's one of those uh, you know, let's let's just take it game by game at this point, but and of course there's a wrinkle in all of it. Well, it's an interesting wrinkle actually because it could kind of go both ways to tell you the truth. When you're Yeah, I've talked myself the rain out in game 4. I've talked myself in circles so many times yeah. on this on who it favors more. Yeah, it's interesting. Um the more for I, game 4, I think it favors the Yankees more, but for games 5, 6 and 7, I think it favors Houston more. Why five? Because um, six and seven is already happening. The, we already know what it five, is anyway. Ver, right? Verlander can pitch five on regular. He rest. could pitch. Ver, okay, so then yeah. Yes. So then he's going potentially five. Um, and then Cole Cole would pitch seven if it got there because that would be his regular rest. So Verlander would have pitched on Saturday, which would have been game six. But then Verlander's but pitching in, at Yankee Stadium. He's pitching at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, but they'll still throw him. And another reason why I don't think it benefits the Yankees in five, six, and seven is because there's no off day there, and they're going to be relying heavily on their bullpen, and they would need rest in their bullpen. But I think for a must-win game four, because you don't want to go down three, uh, three to one, you can get Tanaka on regular rest against Greinke, which is I think a win for is a, a positive, is a, a positive for the Yankees. So for four, it's a positive. And then I think it swings back to the Astros for five, six, and seven. Maybe five's a wash, but six and seven, I think it definitely benefits the Astros. You don't have any off days. Well, see, that's the thing. I think you just talked. Listen, listen to what you just said. You said five could be a wash. If five's a wash, that's Verlander at at um, at Yankee Stadium. You're gonna have to beat one of those guys anyway. So why not? It's Verlander versus a bullpen or Paxton. You. It's gonna be Paxton. You gotta beat. You gotta beat. It doesn't matter. You gotta beat Verlander. At, at some point, yeah? So would you rather take that chance at home or, or in Houston and then go game six and play against whoever the, they throw in at, at, at Houston against whoever? Yeah, game six would be what we probably would have gotten in game four, a bullpen versus a bullpen. So if you're thinking about this, that elimination game almost just comes a day early because it's on game, or not elimination, but theoretically. You have game five at Verlander in Yankee Stadium, which I would much prefer, over... Uh, Verlander and Cole both at home. I, w- yeah. I would way rather that because I think the op- the uh, the chances are better for the Yankees actually with him in five at Yankee Stadium. And then that because the, I wouldn't does Game Six then not uh, they don't get they don't push it. It's still s- Saturday Sunday, right? Okay, so it. there's no movement. So that means Cole stays exactly where he would be. So which is Sunday. So then you have Game Six and you have uh, whatever they do, either it's a bullpen or like a Brad Peacock or whomever. Yeah. So I mean that like, actually like I said, lines up a little I've bit gone better. Back and forth, I've gone back and forth on it. But you but don't see, you don't I have think, the rest of the bullpen. That's the thing. But I think the Yankees can win a bullpen game in Game Four if they play it on on uh, on Wednesday. If it's if it's bullpen versus bullpen, I like my chances. 
Yeah. I mean, either way, the bullpen's so active in the game, it doesn't really matter. Because, I, I mean, they're they're in, in like the third, fourth inning anyway, so it doesn't really even make a difference on who starts the game at this point. No. <laughs> no. So give me Verlander at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, and you're and instead of so Verlander would be pitching on regular rest on Friday, but if he were to pitch on Saturday, he would actually be pitching on extra rest, which would also suck. Because we just talked about how Verlander with a little extra rest becomes that much more dangerous. Yeah. Um I think when you're an older guy like that, the the rest certainly helps. Every every day you can get is a better thing. Um, yeah. So and, yeah, I mean, when we look at it now, and you're and you're like, I I think the rain actually might be a might not be a bad thing. I want you know because then you have then you have Verlander at a at a fired up weekend night Yankee Stadium, you know. Yeah, you're not. I like you're that. not worried though about that. I do like. I gotta fight him. We gotta fight him anyway. No, I know, but but then they're going so guys like Chapman, Britton. And Canely and Green are all pitching probably four days in a row. There's a fatigue factor there that those guys have not even pitched three days in a row in the regular season. So this is and where they would, would be asked to do four in a row because you're not going to not pitch a guy in a. This is where this is where you game. see. This is where we see one of these guys needs to step the fuck up. One of not not one of those guys because those guys have all been good. Adovino, Adovino aside, one of oh. the starters. Uh, a guy like Sessa that they lean on a little bit more, who looked good today, which I yep. like. I actually like against this lineup because he's got good movement, good stuff, um, and, and you see their dominant righty uh, bats. Not a bad matchup when you look at it on paper. I'm sure the nerds will tell me not because he doesn't pitch in this series. So apparently Adovino's a better matchup, according this to the nerds. This is the first time he pitched, and it was when they were losing 4 nothing. Yeah, and he looked and he looked great. Um you're gonna have to have guys like that step up, or you know, you know, maybe we get like this. This, I had a dream about this last night. <laughs> All right, I had a dream about this. We get uh, Verlander going out there. What is this game? Uh, game five. It would be game five Friday, and it would be if, it would be a, a, a bullpen type day. CC Sabathia trots out there one last time, one more time, kid. At Yankee Stadium. At right? Yankee yeah, Stadium. Yeah, at Yankee Stadium. One more time, kid. One well, more time. You get a fired up Yankee Stadium Friday night crowd. CeCe Sabathia with his last, literally the last time he will ever be on a mound at Yankee Stadium in the ALCS against Justin Verlander. You're telling me that guy's not going to get up for that game? You're it's, saying uh, for a start? I'm, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, you start I, oh, that. God, you God. start that big boy. You, you know, start him you start against him. the top of that right-handed order of Springer, Altuve, Bregman. They will be so overtaken You're by that moment. of your damn They mind. will be so overtaken by the moment that CeCe Sabathia is in there. This place <laughs> is going to be out of their core. No, thanks. Uh, CeCe can pitch to one batter in relief like he did the other day. Um, you got to have that feel-good story. We need that feel. We need something. We need, we need, we need that, uh, Paxton, that moment. Paxton barely – what did Paxton throw? Uh how many pitches? No, yeah, I mean, if we're Sunday? being honest with each other, it would be Paxton. So Paxton should be very rested by Friday. Yes, he didn't really work that hard on Sunday. No, Paxton should be ready to go. I mean, that's it. Actually, really does line up when you're thinking about the way that this is. If that rain happens tomorrow, I, I want the rain to happen now because I, I feel like okay. it actually helps the Yankees. And I do think that they're deeper. I think that we've only seen these three to four guys really in, in any kind of situations. But I think if, um, you know, who knows if they'll actually do it or they'll just continue to go to Adovino and just assume that he's going to be fine. Uh, 
but you know, if we can get a little bit more of of Sessa, a little bit more of, and and I can't believe I'm saying this, but he looked good today. You know, you got to go with what you're doing with what he, what's working. He looked good losing for nothing. In a really low pressure situation. I'm not saying that's a low pressure situation though. It's the ALCS. These guys are trying to okay. pour it on at all times. It's not. It's not high pressure of coming in in the sixth inning of a tie game. Fine, but it's still. It's still. You got. You got. It's the first time he's coming in the ALCS. You don't think he was? They bypassed Luis Sessa in extra innings on Sunday. Yeah. And why? Went why is it go for a second day in a row? So that tells me. Sessa's the last guy on the totem pole. No, I don't know. I, I think it has absolutely to do with individual matchups. or I don't know what it is, man, but it doesn't make any sense. I don't know how in, in what we've seen all year long, how you can possibly tell me, and I'm not saying it's you, I'm saying like how this could possibly be a thing, that Sessa is lower on the trust factor than Jonathan Lelizaga. That's impossible. That's impossible. Yeah, no. I agree. It's Sessa had a good year. At the end of the day, when you look at it, he had some moments that everybody he was there all year. Everybody he was there crushes all year. him. The wasn't there all year. Yeah. Um, and I think the rainout is definitely going to happen. I just hope. I think they're going to call it pretty early. They've already. They MLB already sort of talked about it. Sent out their feelers about contingency plans yeah. and what's going to happen. They've already talked about the, the tickets. Like game. This is important for everybody to know too. If you have a game four ticket. It's for game four. No matter what day game four happens, if you have a game right. four ticket, it's for game four. That's just know that. So yes. whenever they play game four, be there because that's when your couple, tickets for. Couple people asked us at the at the game today. And it the the forecast looks awful. So I do think that the Yankees knew that. That's why they emptied their bullpen today. They did let Severino go into the fifth inning. Um after that long umpire. First of all, we saw Severino walking off the mound and we thought he was injured. And then we realized Sanchez was going with him. And I'm like, what the hell is Sanchez doing going with him? And then I talked myself into it. Oh, maybe Gary, because he didn't think a bullpen guy was coming in, needs to go get like a different um, armband to have like all the signals on. And then we saw the outfielders running in and then we figured out it was actually the umpire. They never made they an, announcement, an announcement. Though. Yeah, they-, they made an announcement after everyone had left the field. So it was three minutes of everyone just like, what the hell is going yeah, on? Yeah, but at that point, everybody already knew because you were already... I got like five messages from you guys, like what's happening on the field. And I had no idea because we were 30 seconds behind you watching it on television. I was like, um, commercial break. I, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was a, it was a long delay. It was like tw- 23 minutes, felt I like think. 20. Okay. So Cole sat for 22 minutes of that delay. Plus the inning. He probably sat for close to 45 minutes. They said the number. I don't remember what it was. It wasn't that long, but it was significant over a half hour. It was about half hour. I think. Um, but Sessa, I mean, Se- I mean, Sessa, um, Severino, once he got, once he got through those, you know, past those two solo shots, he started getting stronger again. And then, and then kind of fell off at the end with the, uh, with the walk. And, uh, you know, I think Boone had basically was like, if you, if we have, if we see any base runners, you're gone at that point, but yeah, that's you all, have to pull them. But that's also one of those guys who, who gets stronger as the game goes on. Seemingly that's what he's looked like since he's been back. Yeah. It just. It sucks that he made those two mistakes to Altuve and Reddick because when you're facing Cole, that could be the, that's that was the game. It shouldn't have those been though because the you, the, more of the 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 blame for today's debt for today's game goes on the offense not executing when they when they had opportunities because there were opportunities to not call out of that game, and if yes, you if you can not call out of that game in the sixth inning 
and you put you know a few runs up or whatever the inning was that they you know capitalized on an opportunity then you're looking at uh, a bullpen that is different now because they're coming in out of necessity really not 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 based on like you know whatever the starting pitcher gave them and then the rest of the guys mop it up these guys are coming in now for for different circumstances and I think you're you're looking at a different type of scenario and uh uh, a different level of confidence from the Yankees batters, you know, something like that could get you out of a out of a, a dry spell. A lot of things could have happened that didn't, but um, so you're not feeling too bad. I don't, I don't think I'm feeling too bad either. It's it's a frustrating loss because they should have they should have. I mean, but you look at the last two, and you, you could say the same thing. They they yeah. they missed their own. They're they're shooting themselves in the foot, and uh, the pitching was good enough to to get them there. I think. And even though we have gotten nothing from our starting pitching, the pitching has been good enough, minus really out of Eno, honestly. But he's really just like the difference at this point is out of Eno. He's been shit. Uh, but the offense has done nothing. Out of Eno was getting some boos as he walked off the Good. Ball. He deserves them. He deserves every boo. He's been yeah. awful. Throw yeah. the ball over the plate. He's been the difference in a negative way in the series. He's been the difference, yeah, no doubt about it. All right, we, uh, that's it for this show. We'll be back after game four, whenever that may be. You're saying rainout helps the Yankees. I think rainout definitely helps the Yankees for game four. I'll, see, I'll take it from there after, after that. But just to win game four, a rainout helps the Yankees. Any final words? Um, well, that's confusing because you just said you, want, you would win a bullpen game, and that would be tomorrow. Yeah, but I think uh, getting to I would rather have Tanaka going than a bullpen game. But if it's bullpen versus bullpen, then don't you you still have Tanaka going the next day after that as well, and you win the bullpen game that you're so confident in. So don't you want that? Uh, no, I rather have Tanaka for Game Four. If I'm just talking about winning Game Four, I think you can't put that in a bubble. Though you have, have to look at it with the whole series. It's impossible. No, to I just know. say that in a bubble. Okay, so then in the whole series, I don't want to rain out. But for just Game Four. Raynaud helps the Yankees. But I said for the other games, which is more than one game, it helps the Astros. Yeah, I'm just not convinced of that. And I think the biggest thing is because Verlander would pitch at Yankee it's not Stadium. not a lot. Well, I think the biggest difference would be uh, Verlander pitching at Yankee Stadium. And I think it affects. That's a huge difference. I think that's it did big, affect Cole that's today. A big factor. I think it affected Cole today, and the Yankees just didn't capitalize. Early it affected him, I think. What, for whatever reason, I think it affected him. And uh, I think that Verlander be at home would be on a Friday. Or night. maybe it's because Cole pitched twice in the. Tampa series through a lot of pitches through a lot of innings in the in that Tampa series and you're just as a pitcher not going to be as sharp after doing that but he was still good he still didn't give up any runs and I saw in the sixth and seventh innings were his best innings oh for sure they were they were absolutely his best innings and they were quick the Yankees were jumping early trying to get uh you know ahead on on bad pitch or what they thought were opportunities and they and they just weren't there was nothing falling um, and he was he was mowing him down. So yeah, no, it was uh, he looked good. I don't know. I'll talk myself into a pretzel a thousand more times on this rain delay, not rain delay, rain. Out I, you know what you're. You know what's gonna happen. Game. You're not gonna change it. That's that's a fact. I'm not gonna change it. The weather. Oh no, no. Oh believe me. I, I don't <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you after game four. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. 
If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.